Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest podcast in a series of podcasts introducing our sustainability videos uh, that have been recorded recently uh, and are sitting on our sustainability centre. Um, and uh, for this particular episode, we are uh, really, really pleased to have guests from Aegon UK. Um, but before we get started, I'll, I'll start with some introductions. My name is John Somerville. I'm head of financial services here at the London Institute of Banking and Finance. Um, and today I'm really, really pleased to be able to introduce and, uh, and have as guests today uh, Hilke Komulainen, who is head of responsible investment at Aegon UK, and also Tim Orton, managing director of investment solutions. A very warm and if not cold and wintry morning to you both. Um, Tim, how are you today? Good. Yeah, a little chilly, John, but no. Um, yeah, very well. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, for our audience, um, would you like to give a little bit of background where, you know, what, what your brief history of, of, of Tim's career in financial services has been? Yeah, sure. I, I've, I've been in financial services for about 30 years now, I'm afraid. Um, uh, done a variety of things um, really across um, all aspects of investment products um, from proposition management, um, both on the product provider side um, and also through on to the asset management side as well. So quite a variety of roles across that space. Um, I've been at Aegon for two years now. Um, I look after all of our investment estate uh, and that's across our workplace, our retail and institutional channels. Fantastic, Tim. A very warm welcome to you this morning. And, and also, uh, Hilke, um, I'm, our audience will be very keen to hear uh, your career path uh, and where it's, how it's led you to Aegon UK. Thank you, John. Well, in contrast to Tim, I'm a responsible investment and sustainability professional. Um, I've worked across the UK and Europe um, with stints at EY, the Principles for Responsible Investment, in Asset Management, the OECD and the United Nations. Um, I joined Aegon at UK in 2021 to lead um, our newly established responsible investment team. Fantastic. I was going to, obviously, you've joined a, a new company right bang in the middle of various lockdowns and, and restrictions and all the rest of it. That must have been an interesting experience for you. It has been, um, but surprisingly easy because everyone's working from home. So you don't feel like you're kind of missing out on the, all the office, office banter because everybody else is at home. So um, and the team has certainly made me feel very welcome. That's amazing. That's great to hear as well. Thank you so much for your introductions. But without further ado, um, we, we've very kindly uh, at LIBF put together a series of questions um, and we've prepared our audience, uh, our guests today with, with, with a little bit of information on it. But it's going to feel a bit like mastermind almost because when we were putting the questions together, um, we, we wanted to make them challenging. And obviously, we want to make sure that our audience gets really the best from both of you today. And boy, did we come up with some challenging ones, I have to say. But um, I, I think actually there's some really interesting stuff here. So I'm going to start with the first question, which is many say the finance sector has a critical role to play in tackling climate change. Do you agree? Well, I guess you would agree. But obviously, what, what do you think, um, Tim, are the, the, the critical roles that the finance industry does play here? Yeah, so John, I, I do agree. Um, you know, we've got a huge opportunity here as a steward of long-term assets in pensions uh, to reflect climate concerns in the choice of companies that we support. 
Um, really, this is you know core to the future, I think, of, of financial services and, and, and companies that uh, manage assets within it. Um, certainly at Aegon, you know, we believe in a, a fairer and more sustainable world, and that's really in everyone's interest. And as a long-term savings provider, you know, we've got a responsibility to support that. Fantastic. And Hilke, your thoughts on that one? I mean, I would certainly agree. Um, and as investors of uh, people's pensions um, or of our customers' customers' money, we really see three key ways of driving climate action as an investor. Well, firstly, we can most obviously perhaps allocate capital to the types of businesses that will be, will be needed in the transition to a low-carbon economy. That sends a market signal that drives growth in the parts of the, the economy that we will need in the future. But secondly, we can also seek to influence the companies that we have today as they're thinking about transitioning. We can engage with them as shareholders, take that long-term view. I mean, as an example, our average pension savers in their late 30s, they will be investing for decades to come. Um, and uh, the rest of the finance industry, we need to shift our perspective to that long term. And I guess thirdly, this is an industry-wide and market-wide challenge. We're not in this alone. And the third way that we can drive climate mitigation is to encourage policy action that moves us onto the right direct trajectory that raises standards of sustainability across the entirety of the finance industry mm. so in it for the long haul really that's the the key message isn't it you know it's not it won't be solved overnight but at the same time certainly pension wise an awful lot of time is going to be spent putting this right really for people and people who are investing in their pensions you know I'd, i've been in the industry for 30 years and i was thought you know actually back in the day you, you, if you're talking to younger people, their pension is 30, 40, 50 years away. And of course, then it's kind of at the back of their minds. But I think sustainability is more at the forefront of people's minds, isn't it? So that's an interest, very Absolutely. interesting points there. Um, well, moving on to the, the next question, what actions have Aegon taken? Uh, Aegon UK, I should say. Aegon UK taken. And what challenges have you identified? So uh, I'll start with um, commitments. Um, so in Aegon UK, we've we've set net zero targets for 2050 with 50% reduction in emissions in our default fund portfolios by 2030. Um, we've also joined Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance um, to help us collaborate across the industry um, with the actions that are going to be required to achieve those commitments. In terms of um, actions within our portfolios to date as well. Um, it's not just about commitments, it's, it's about you know taking steps within the portfolios. Um, and we have shifted, uh, I think it's now 11 and a half billion of our assets into what we call ESG screened uh, and optimized strategies. So they tend to have built in tilts uh, in the portfolios, uh, which gives higher exposure to companies with lower emissions. So it's make, starting to make a difference in, in those portfolios. And I just want to add that point about to Tim's point about taking short term action. That's really important. We don't wait until 2030. And what we see we're doing is really thinking about risk management on behalf of our customer um, as, as we see more policy action and market action towards transitioning. Um, transitioning does mean that we need significant changes in the economy. Um, and given our investment strategy, for example, we are exposed to uh, quite significantly exposed to passive equities. We have some level of investment in most listed companies in the world. And we can't just decarbonize our portfolio um, or exclude the worst offenders that, offenders that are the most polluting companies. 
we need to be decarbonizing and thinking about decarbonizing across the economy. And that is a huge challenge. We're just one player, but a really critical one for all of us in the industry. Fantastic. Great answers. Um, so a, a short but very interesting question really is, how do you measure what impact you have? So Tim, firstly to you. Yeah, John, so there's two, two sort of interrelated uh, things that we're looking at really. Uh, firstly, if you look at our portfolios, um, which is really what we've got um, more control over directly, you know, we, we do consider the financed emissions within them. Um, this, this, as Hilke sort of mentioned, risk management, this, this sort of helps understand for us um, what our clients are exposed to uh, and also what, you know, the emissions are as, as we transition to a low carbon economy and how that's, how that's playing through in our portfolios. Um, but secondly, you know, we, 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 we can't ignore what's going on around us um, and actual global emissions. Um, all of our customers, you know, won't be immune to climate change. Um, just because of what's going on with their investments, it's 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 really the world around them. So, the trend of global climate action is relevant as well, and it, and it kind of guides us as to whether the changes um, in our economies um, and our industry uh, is really tackling uh, climate change and whether that's whether that's working or not. Mm. It's an interesting one, actually, isn't it? Because it's that disconnect between actually what's happening with my own investments and what I'm seeing on the TV and what's going on around me. I guess it's that bringing those two things together I suppose um well it really is that point between are you decarbonizing a portfolio i.e leaving it to somebody else to tackle all of the the polluting uh, brown stuff um or are you thinking about decarbonizing the world um but when you think about impact measurement there's also a much broader challenge here um, that is not unique to us interest in responsible investing is at an all-time high which is wonderful to see. Um, and at the same time, there still is, I think, a lot of confusion in the market between funds, ESG funds that in their methodology perhaps exclude certain sin stocks, tobacco, thermal coal production, um, for example, or consider whether or not the constituent companies are doing well at managing their ESG or sustainability risk on one hand, and on the other hand, that real-world impact, such as emissions reduction that Tim was talking about. Um, Global emissions are still not on a downward trajectory, uh, and just investing in an ESG fund does not automatically mean that you're having impact as an investor. So impact measurement is, is, is quite tricky. And as an industry, we need better data, not just on that sustainability risk management, but also what the impact of companies and indeed of finance is on the world. And it is really encouraging to see that there are more data providers um, that are innovating in this space. Uh, we ha- we're not the only ones to have identified this, this challenge, um, but we're still quite far from pension providers like ourselves being able to measure their investment impact in a systematic way. No, that's a fantastic answer. It's really nice to hear that. And obviously, um, because that's great honesty, you know, we're still in that that journey and we're still on that big journey, you know, to understand what impact people have, haven't we? And and then at the same time, you know, how do people know what's the right information they've got in order to make those sort of critical decisions? But it's an interesting that you say sustainability is now at an all-time high, that interest. We're still going to go higher, isn't it? That's the, I think that's the key to it. It's still still so much more to do. Interesting. It's definitely, an industry that is changing. Um, the pace of change is um, quite unprecedented. Yes. 
Well, we need, I think we all need to keep at it because I think that's the important bit is you get that acceleration going, don't you? So that's that, which is fabulous. So more of that, the better. Fantastic. Um, so um, next question, really, what else are you doing and what plans do you have for the future? So what, what's, what's going on? What's the current sort of thinking, Tim? Yeah, so, so Hilke mentioned sort of acting now. Um, and what we're doing is building out, you know, what, what can we do between now and 2025? Um, and what targets can we achieve um, in that shorter time frame with with changes that we can make? Um, and, and as part of that, we're building out our understanding uh, of what you know, climate change means for our portfolios. Uh, we've invested in data uh, that helps to deepen our understanding and provide better insights for us on actions and implications of them. Uh, there's also quite a lot of regulatory change going on, John. Um, mm. That's across the financial services industry, pretty much every, you know, across every part. Uh, and that creates a lot of work, uh, but it also creates good tailwinds for us in, mm. in trying to drive change through the portfolios. Yeah, definitely. I, I think where you say, you know, certainly on the regulatory front, you know, that we're having conversations regularly now ourselves. And, and certainly when we speak to the industry and advisors in particular, they are desperate for more and more information, really, you know, to make sure they're make, helping their customers make the right decisions. So, yes, change is huge. Hilke, your thoughts on that, uh, on what's going on at, uh, in, in Aegon UK? Well, in addition to what Tim has just outlined, we're also thinking about what are the tools that are available to us in tackling this. I talked about those three ways that we can impact um, allocating capital, influencing companies, um, and trying to lift standards across the industry. We're also considering how can we better work with our business partners, our asset managers um, in meeting uh, the climate challenge. Mm. Um, we do need to build understanding um, of how climate risk will impact existing investment strategies. Um, and we need to be encouraging meaningful innovation in allocating kind of capital sustainably. That's perfect. Thanks for that, Hilke. Um, so, what do you think of the prospects of reaching net zero by 2050? Um, and, and actually, this one for Hilke. Well, I'd say that we are in a better position after COP26 in Glasgow, but there is a consensus that we need a lot more action. Mm. Currently, we are not on track where we need to get to with, with um, mitigating climate change. According to Climate Action Tracker, current policies currently in place uh, results in about 2.7 degrees uh, of warming. Um, nationally determined contributions or NDCs in climate change speak will limit war warming to 2.4 degrees. At the same time, science tells us, as I think we have all heard around COP26, we need to get to 1.5. So there's, there's still quite a bit of gap to be closed. And to Tim's point about short-term action and 2025 targets, there is a concern that um, setting these 2025 short-term targets will focus on shifting assets and kind of portraying, portraying data in a nice way to what portfolios look like they're decarbonizing. So doing the short-term thinking over the short-term rather than focusing on, on those real-world emissions reductions and structural change. Our take is that we do need uh, significant change in, uh, at a structural level across industries and business practices. We will need new types of businesses, new types of business models, also new types of investments. And as large-scale investors, uh, we have responsibility to both challenge the market to drive change and to support transitioning and innovation where that's needed. 
Incredible. Thank you for that. That's really informed. And it's nice to bring um, COP26 into this, you know, um, because it's keeping that momentum going from COP26 and obviously for the future uh, of this. We can't forget it. Sometimes these conferences get parked. It happened last year, you know, it's out of people's minds and it's really important to go for it. Yes, Hilka. No, just to add that, obviously, we have a, another climate conference coming up in November this year. So last year at COP26, parties agreed to reconvene to see if they can close the gap. So it'll be quite an exciting year uh, in 2022 for climate action as well. So one to keep an eye on. Definitely. Thank you for that. Um, so how are you informing and educating customers to help drive consumer behaviours towards net zero? Uh, so, Tim, over to you. Yeah, great question, John. So, I mean, our research shows that um, about 72% of the UK public is concerned about climate change, um, but less than 10% of them see pensions and investments as a way of taking action. Mm. So there's quite a gap there and quite a lot more awareness raising to be done. Um, so when you think about all touch points with customers, be they pensions providers, employers or financial advisors, need to consider this in more detail. Um, at Aegon, we see our role as a provider in supporting and educating not just the end customer, but also the employers, consultants or advisors that they may select their products through. Um, and it's heartening, actually, to see so many industry groups that are sort of to talk about the importance of sustainability and, and of greening pensions to, to just build, start to build some of this awareness. And Hilker on that one, uh, very subject. And. Um I completely agree that building understanding of such a complex yet, yet critical issue is key among customers, both pension savers, but also trustees. Mm. And at the same time, there are a lot of messages out there that get confused about this role that finance and pensions um, can play in tackling the climate emergency. And we do see a bit of a risk that some of the enthusiasm and you could even call noise around sustainability investing may divert efforts from those real world uh, emissions and that focus on what's happening around us. Um, and these ESG screened or risk managed solutions, which we also use for a risk risk from a risk perspective um, may not be classified as impact specifically uh, by market standards and it is great to see that regulators both in the UK and in the EU are taking steps to address this. The FCA is already consulting uh, on its fund labeling scheme which should then help create more clarity more focus on the key outcome of mitigating climate change um, which is should be a really beneficial add to the uh, into the industry. Fantastic. And, and, and John, so just, just to jump back in, I mean, it, it's great the regulators also, you know, getting organised around um, labelling and reporting and those sorts of things. But um, in, in terms of really engaging customers, um, what we've been doing in, in terms of that awareness is, is building responsible investment hubs. Uh, so we've got hubs for our pension savers, uh, but also employers and advisors. Um, going back to that sort of range of stakeholders and range of influences in the in the industry. Um, so our website houses all these sort of tools and resources and guides that um, can help. Uh, and we've got more of that in the pipeline. That's great to hear, actually, Tim. Yeah. And, and, and obviously it's, it's the tools and the equipment for advisors and customers alike, isn't it? It's making um, it's awareness and knowing what impact you're going to have. And, you know, certainly 
um, speaking from experience within the marketplace and speaking to advisors, as I say, they're, they're, they're very concerned about the um, <clears throat> much used term greenwashing, aren't they? Where, you know, yeah. the information isn't there. It appears on the surface that things are green, but actually underneath it, when you dig a little bit further, it's not quite as it appears. Yeah. So that, that data that Hilke was talking about earlier on and what you've just mentioned there, Tim, is really, really important so that, the, the you know, everybody ha- comes from a very informed position uh, is absolutely vital for everybody uh, concerned. Um, so what example do you have where Aegon has made a tangible difference to climate change, Tim? Wow, yeah. So this is really the uh, million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I, I guess as an asset owner, you know, we've, of course, lowered our portfolio emissions through some of the uh, movement in assets that we sort of described earlier. Um, but also as a business, uh, Aegon, we've, you know, we've offset uh, operational emissions. Um, we source all our energy from renewables. Um, and we've absolutely signaled the importance of this to the market. Um, but you know that that that's kind of direct stuff that we can do, but that's that's not really enough. Um, what we're looking for is that tangible reduction of emissions globally. Um, and yeah, per discussion, you know, we've not we've not seen enough of that yet. No, absolutely. No, I can totally understand that. But the, the nice thing is that you've got a good, clear example of where that's making a difference, which is which is tremendous. What investment sectors are you having the greatest success with? And where do you see are your greatest challenges? So, uh, Tim, from your point. Yeah, if I start with some successes, I mean, from from investment perspective, listed equities have the characteristics that tend to make it easier to Mm. consider climate risk. Uh, Data tends to be better. And also, you know, with with, with voting rights, um, there's more ability to influence um, as a shareholder. Um, either directly uh, for us where we where we have that or, or via for managers that we uh, influence larger companies um, also have you know stricter disclosure requirements they've got greater resources of their own to consider climate impact um, so there's there's some there's some strengths there but you know d- despite that companies across sectors really still do have a lot more work to do you know including us mm, definitely and Hilke challenges for you in that area because conversely from what Tim was saying, it is that space of private assets, purely because of the lower disclosure requirements. Um, but some of those sectors, you know, you could talk about green infrastructure or um, the venture capital or private equity that may be backing some of the new climate-related technologies, the new types of businesses that we'll need, um, are key in this transition. Um, so there is a, an inherent challenge there. There's also a bit of a concern that um, as in listed markets, investors start to shun uh, some of the brown assets, uh, coal-fired um, power production, etc., that they will be taken private. Well, you will obviously have a lot less disclosure, less ability to influence as a, a shareholder that cares, um, unless you happen to be the private owner. Um, It'll be an interesting one to to monitor and one that we'll certainly be keeping a close eye on. Yeah, tricky to ascertain really what's going on beneath the surface then, isn't it? You know, and that's where it makes things very, very challenging. Um, well, we've come to the end of our questions. First and foremost, uh, I started, so I finished, which is great and in, in the mastermind phrase. And also there were no passes, which is great. So obviously um, you did extremely well. Sorry for the, uh, well, no, I'm going to, it's not a sorry for the grilling. It really was very, very interesting to hear from you both. Um 
so, you know, closing thoughts, really, you know, from my point of view, it's just great to hear how much work is going on behind the scenes to help with this. And, and I, as I say, I really do appreciate your honesty as well. It's nice to hear that, um, you know, this, what work in progress is going on. It's far from the finished article from any of our point of view. But the key to this is actually working towards something with a, with a, with a, that's making a tangible difference now. But equally, uh, you have a goal to achieve, don't you? So which is really fantastic to hear. Um, uh, Tim, your final thoughts before we uh, close the pro- close the podcast? Yeah, John, no, well, thanks for the opportunity to discuss, really. You know, it's, it's always good to, to sort of uh, think these things through. And the more, you, the more we sort of chew over the art of the possible, the more, you know, creative we can become in terms of solving it. Um, we, we don't pretend to have all the answers, but, you know, this is something we're certainly very, taking very, very seriously. Well, it's good to hear that you're, you're listening and learning, I guess, is the, the way forward. And, and Hilke, from your point of view? I guess the thing that I wanted to emphasize that this isn't something that anyone out there has solved and figured out. So we are in this like great learning process across the industry um, and different market participants looking to play the role, the roles that they can in the best way possible. Um, so thank you so much for the conversation. Um, it's been great. It's been an absolute pleasure to host this. Thank you both so much for your time. So from, from myself, John Somerville, uh, from Tim Orton and Hilke Comalainen, thank you all very, very much for listening. Uh, I hope you really enjoy the video, uh, which is uh, on the LRBF website. And also, I believe it's on the um, Aegon UK website as well, uh, freely available. So, And actually, I think it's displayed on YouTube somewhere and, and what have you. Go and seek it out anyway. So it's, it's everywhere. Um, but the messages are very, very clear. And, and so... Thank you, everybody, for your time. I hope you've got some some really good information out of this. And we look forward to speaking to you again on our next podcast. Thank you very much. Mm